This is the Healthcare Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you information, education, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. No industry, including sick care, can be fixed from inside. For every one hour that they spend on patient care, they're spending up to two hours on EHR data entry. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Market Scale Healthcare Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And today we're joined by Terry Foster. She's the director of the Aging and Disability Resource Center for Western Reserve Area Agency on Aging. And Terry is coming on the podcast today because her position at WRAA is very unique and something really unlike most other professional positions in the healthcare or the medical industry. And what she does is paramount to long-term care assistance and a really integral part of the entire healthcare process. So I wanted to bring Terry on the podcast to really pick her brain a little bit about what does her job entail, but really more importantly, what makes her job so crucial to the overall function of the industry. Terry, great to have you on. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Is this your first podcast? It is. Okay. Well, we'll make sure that it goes off without a hitch. I know you were telling me a little bit about your day earlier and uh, kind of a tough Wednesday, huh? A little bit, a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, when you have someone parking in your spot, that's um, not a good start to the day. So we'll, we'll make sure this is the metaphorical antithesis to someone parking in your spot. Sounds great. (laughs) So, Terry, (laughs) why don't you go ahead and inform our audience a little bit of what the director of the Aging and Disability Resource Center does? I think that's a great place to start to just get a feel for what your job entails. Sure. Okay. So the Aging and Disability Resource Center is a multi-unit department, essentially. And our focus, I should kind of mention our, our mission, really, is we provide choices for people to live independently in the place they want to call home. So that, that takes on many faces. We, what we ultimately do is diverting Medicaid dollars, or in other words, keeping people out of nursing homes, helping people get out of nursing homes, and supporting them in the community, and um, sometimes even more importantly, supporting that caregiver in the community. So if you called my department, we might give you some assistance over the phone. We might help you place someone into a nursing facility, we may help you come home and everything in between. Interesting. So you're really there to assist part of the healthcare industry that doesn't really get a lot of buzz and doesn't really see the light of day often because a lot of times that long-term care isn't even being done by professionals. It's being done by family. Is that right? That's correct. Right. That's absolutely correct. Right. So that kind of puts you in an interesting position here. You're not only working with other healthcare professionals, but you're also assisting with family caregivers. And I mean, I think that's something unique that a lot of other professionals in the industry don't have to deal with. So with that sort of dual role that you have to fulfill, how do you approach each side and where do they begin to intersect? Um, how does interacting with the professional versus the caregiver, um, I guess, help make your job not only unique, but also very interesting and necessary? Well, I think it's also unique that we we ourselves in this organization are licensed clinicians. Right. So we are registered nurses and, and licensed social workers as well. Um, so coming from the professional side, we're here to help, it, you know, a, a lot of times it's the same, 
the same professionals, the social workers who are discharge planners in nursing homes and hospitals. Um, but the what what I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about today was the fact that we have medical professionals out there, nurses, doctors, therapists, care managers, who are caregivers during the day at their job, and then they come home and they're caregivers. Right, exactly. Um, So upwards of 70% of all Americans who are turning 65 today will need some type of long-term care assistance during the remainder of their lives. And 65% of those rely completely on a family member to provide that needed care. So when you're when you're a family member providing care and you're a medical professional providing care during the day, you're more susceptible to things like caregiver burnout and compassion fatigue. Uh, and it stands to reason because it's your whole day. Um, uh, unfortunately, because medical professionals know best, they know how to take care of people, um, they're often the last one to recognize that it's even happening to them and often the last to reach out um, to get some help from an organization like us. Right. And I know you have very personal experience with this challenge of being a professional caregiver and a personal caregiver, um, caring for not only your husband, um, but then your father as well. Give us a little bit of insight into what that experience was like. I'm sure it was very difficult, but how did you take that experience and then translate that back into helping other professionals overcome this challenge of uh, double caregiving, basically? Well, I think a couple of things. First, I was uh, I was lucky in a way. I was unlucky, obviously, because I lost a couple of great people close to me. But I was lucky because I was young. Um, and so it's a little bit easier to manage the physical aspects of caregiving as well as the psychological. You're younger as you get older. Things become a little more difficult. Sure. Uh, stress starts to add on. But one, one of the things that I would like to say about the personal experience, and this really isn't more about me. It's more about my mother. Um you know, my mother was my father's caregiver and um, resistant, resistant, resistant to accepting someone to come in the home. Money wasn't the issue. Uh, it was just that, no, I'm his I'm, I'm his wife and I'm going to take care of him and I don't need any help. And the angle that I took on that for her was, you know, when you give up some of those caregiving responsibilities and you go back to just being spouse again, um, you're going to enjoy each other's time more. Right. Just sitting there watching TV, watching a movie, and, it, and it's back to being a couple instead of a caregiver. Right. Um, and when she finally agreed to do it, it was a couple of weeks after uh, this young lady, Mary, came in to help them. My mom had said, I understand what you're saying now um, because our relationship is better. Um, so that is one thing that I've absolutely learned uh, from the caregiving perspective. And oftentimes it's just that first step of asking for the help. So let's get this back to sort of the the B2B perspective here, which is looking at the healthcare professionals themselves who have to deal with this double caregiving. Do you see this happen a lot? Do you see a lot of registered nurses, physicians that are not only caring for humans all day, but then they come home and have a family member that they also have to care for? Absolutely. I see it in my own department as well, uh, right here in front of me. Um, It's very common. One in six full-time Americans is a family caregiver. That's more than 50 million people. So it stands to reason that um, it's going to affect a lot of people in the medical industry. Right. And so this is, I think, an issue within 
the medical industry that well i mean first off it's it's a challenge even that you're having to have family members be the core caregivers for aging or ailing uh, you know members of your family the fact that you have to keep it within the family and there aren't enough resources to bring on a third party that's a challenge for the healthcare industry in and of itself but now you compound that that you're seeing that same challenge affect the very people within the industry it's uh, it's like an exponential effect so what kind of negative effects are you actually seeing on healthcare professionals because of this really not talked about issue in the darkness Sure. Well, as, as a director and the head of a department, obviously the most obvious thing that we see is missed days of work and absenteeism. Right. Um, in addition, they may be here and they're just, their head isn't here. They're not focused, which then is a loss of productivity. And in the nursing uh, industry, all the medical industry, as a matter of fact, that increases your probability for making errors. Uh, so it's, it's huge. It's, uh, I forget the website, but it was like a $35 billion a year loss yeah. uh, to our, to, you know, our economy because of lost uh, days at work and productivity. Um, we also see mental and emotional health have more, you know, higher instances of depression and anxiety. Um, chronic stress can lead to cognitive decline. Your memory starts to fail you. Um, some people feel hostility. Others feel guilt. Um, of what's going on. And um, it just overall decreases your, you know, your lack of focus and your lack of enjoyment on life. I don't see that as much in, in my organization, but what I do see is a, is a decline in physical health. You know, when you have stress burnout from caregiving, you tend to have more headaches and pain, just general fatigue symptoms. Um, your immune system isn't where it should be. And you have lower uh, levels of self-care. You're not going to the doctor. You're not seeing the dentist. You're not doing the things that you need to do. And probably most commonly is uh, chronic fatigue and loss of, and loss of sleep. And of, that's not good for anyone. Right. And, and the last thing that I, that they, that we would see, I don't necessarily see as much because this is on the personal side, your personal relationships are affected. Right. More isolated, more withdrawn, strained relationships between you and the person you're giving care to. Right. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I feel like the compassion fatigue is very crucial. Um, it's definitely something that I could see affecting healthcare professionals pretty harshly because, well, I mean, the entire point of being a healthcare professional is that you're not just completing tasks you're not just, you know, working, you are there to service people. And in that process, you are a compassionate person, you are, you know, there to create relationships with your patients, and give them the help they need. So if you are being so overworked from the beginning of the day to the moment you go to bed that you're not only caring for these uh, patients that need your help, but then also your family members and watching everyone around you sort of, I guess, begin to decline in health. It's just a, a kind of a depressing um, aura that tends to sink over these professionals. And then I could see their work decreasing in quality because, well, they're not feeling that personal investment anymore. You're absolutely right. You hit it right on the head there. Um, the, the compassion fatigue, which is basically a special kind of burnout that results and just providing constant care under extreme stressful situations and 
end up internalizing that and becoming numb almost. Right. So you lose that that human quality of empathy and understanding, which is so important when you're delivering care and you're trying to educate um, your patients on their self-care and you're not taking care of yourself. Right. So so let's go ahead and bring this back around now and uh, bring the conversation back to WRAAA. So how does WRAAA come into the picture and actually assist these healthcare professionals? Because, I mean, to have a successful industry, you need to have um, successful and motivated and, you know, not fatigued employees and professionals leading that charge. So how does WRAA come in to revitalize, remotivate, and bring that passion back to their work? Okay, great. Well, there's a few things that we can do. The first step, obviously, is giving us a call, uh, calling our resource center. We've got nine folks who answer the phone every day in our screening and intake center. And what we'll do is, first of all, we'll listen to you. We'll listen to what your needs are, and we'll listen to what the, the, the person needing care, what, what their needs and preferences are. We'll review eligibility for programs and supports that are out there. We'll help you apply for those benefits, connect you to support groups. And I think more importantly is we'll help you navigate that long-term service and support system that exists right now with so much bureaucracies involved and the different organizations having to talk to each other. That's one of the big benefits that we can do. Um, we can also, we have the, what's called the Family Caregiver Support Program in our organization, and that is funded through the Older Americans Act Program, or Title III, so that's a federally funded program. There's an array of services and supports that an individual can receive from the Caregiver Support Program, such as caregiver training, how to physically care for someone, um, giving them information on support groups. We can provide respite care. Uh, and that can be in the form of having someone come to your home. It could be in an institution like an assisted living or a nursing facility. It could be adult day centers. Um, we can help with medical equipment and minor home modifications. And if that doesn't fit your need, we actually have in-person home assessments by registered nurses and licensed social workers. We can come out to your home. We'll evaluate your needs. We'll do an environmental assessment to kind of see if if there's any home equipment or minor modifications that can make life easier. We'll evaluate you for Medicaid um, and waiver programs. And if nursing home placement is, is the route, we'll help facilitate that, although we try to make that our last option. Um, and, then it, and then we can provide ongoing care management, which is an integral part of having that support um, to take some of that burden off of one individual. And I would say lastly, um, from a different perspective, we have the home choice program. And that's if your loved one is already in the nursing home. And the home choice program actually sets you up with a transition coordinator. And we help you set up your home. Um, we can take you to look at apartments and get your apartments you know, stocked with the things that you need so that you can come home with supports and not have to, uh, to live in a nursing facility if you so choose. Right. And, and I think what's unique about us is that we're completely nonprofit and we are funded by state and federal as well as some private dollars. Um, and our whole purpose is to keep people at home, keep them safe and keep them healthy. And Terry, I'm glad you brought up the fact that the United States is aging longer or there's just more aging. Uh, I think we're seeing a multitude of things. Um, we're seeing 
social movements for healthier eating and just a general longevity of life in the 21st century, we're going to see people live longer and that's only going to exacerbate this issue even more. We're going to have family members needing to take care of ailing family members more frequently and then for longer stretches of time, which means that organizations like WRAAA are probably going to have more people and more healthcare professionals to assist. So in the funding side of things, how is WRAAA looking to meet this upcoming demand, right? How are you planning on staying ahead of that, getting the necessary dollars and resources? Is it going to be local? Is it going to be state? Are you trying to um, host uh, fundraising events for more private dollars? What is, what's the game plan? Okay, well, you're absolutely right. Um, Because this trend is not going to change in the very near future, we do have to stay up on top of things. Right. Um, Obviously, our federal and state funding, we anticipate continuing that. But we're also stretching out into other areas like grants um, and, and other funding avenues. But I think one of the important things that we're doing as an organization is we're diversifying the programs that we're getting involved in. So I think we're getting more involved in, in, in prevention programs um, because the people are living longer and um, they're living later and later into life. So if we can help them be healthy longer, then that's the, the you know, they'll need less long-term care assistance, hopefully, um, and less assistance from their families. So the things that we're get, also getting involved in are evidence-based programs like diabetes, self-care um, and falls prevention, healthy you, uh, where we do exercise programs, uh, to help people with their balance and, uh, their ability to walk. So it's multifaceted. It's not necessarily just intervening in crisis situations where somebody needs help right now, but it's looking at the bigger picture, getting people younger and getting them more involved in the prevention side. Love that. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely going to be essential for WRAA to stay ahead of this curve and um, to, to meet that rising need. So it's great to see that there are passionate people on the back end making that happen. So Terry, I'd like to thank you for joining us on the podcast and giving us your insight on this really critical and often undervalued issue uh, in the healthcare industry, um, both just from a process point for professionals, but then also for the professionals themselves who are having to deal with this issue of dual care. Um, It's something that's going to continue to grow, and I'm looking forward to seeing how the Western Reserve Area Agency on Aging stays ahead of this curve and, you know, keeps things where they need to be. So, Terry, again, thank you for joining us on the podcast. I enjoyed your insight. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's podcast. And if you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, you can head to marketscale.com slash industries and subscribe to previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. And make sure you leave a rating and a comment wherever you listen to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.